weekend is just about to be here, which means it is time for That Entrepreneur Show. Vincent A. Lancy here, and this week's guest is one of a kind. I met him at one of his group homes here in Florida in the Brandon area. Big shout out to our friend Kristen for the introduction. He is an activist committed to helping others with the implementation of inclusion and providing opportunities for health and wellness. He is also a business visionary who grew a 501c foundation from impacting just one individual to over 400 disabled athletes in one year. Yes, he has a sports background. We'll touch on that in just a little bit. But we all have a lot to learn, even if you are not in that field, because he is a proven, effective sales expertise leader where he grows revenue on multiple businesses by over 100 grand each year. And one thing I do love about today's guest is that he is on a mission to change the world. He also recently launched his Specially Fit Academy, so we're going to talk all about that. They have their schedule now announced, so we'll be definitely looking into that. And he is also the Director of Community Outreach for the NFL Alumni Association. So, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to join the community of entrepreneurs. Awesome, man. I appreciate that um, introduction. I like that. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, that's just the beginning. We'll have you touch on it a little better than I can in just a bit. But if it's everyone's first time with us today, welcome to That Entrepreneur Show, the weekly podcast since 2019, where this show helps high achievers and those looking to obtain new levels of success. Excuse me. I released at least one interview each week since that time frame. So be sure to find the one that sticks out to you. You never know which show is going to resonate with you most and me and today's guest, we've had the chance to connect a few times. Most recently, last night, as we're recording this, at the bowling tournament for his boys, best buddies organization here in Tampa. There is a lot going on with him, so stay tuned. But be sure to stick around to the end of the show for the spotlight story. Since we have a stellar athlete with us today, we're going to look at some work done in the nonprofit sector. Stay tuned for that. But Mark, I've touched on your journey a little bit. You could say it better than I can. Let's start with what you have going on. You could start anywhere you'd like. Oh, man, I um, I appreciate it. It's always like to start from the beginning, I guess, so you can kind of know the journey and where I came from. You know, I grew up in a low-income neighborhood in St. Petersburg, Florida. I was the first in my family to go off to college. Um, I played football at the University of South Florida, where I also earned my college degree. And um, I was a walk-on football player. I then graduated college and opened my first business. My didn't know anything about business. I was like 22 years old the day after I graduated, opened a CrossFit gym, made every mistake possible, um, finally learned how to do business and how to expand after making more mistakes and success, and then had this great life. And about four years ago, everything turned upside down. I met a kid who had Down syndrome who became one of my best friends. I never knew anything about this field before mm -hmm. and got involved with the Special Olympics. And really, like a long story short, we went from that one individual to working with 400 and built the largest Special Olympics team in Hillsborough County. Not only that, also opened my first group home three years ago. And now I have seven group homes. I have a special needs school I have a farm on seven acres of goats, llamas, donkeys, alpacas for animal therapy. We have a wedding venue. 
also have a healthcare practice, and now a private high school is coming in the mix in August. And, you know, it all really came about as none of this was planned. Um, And it was just definitely a blessing to see the growth come from just that one individual. You just touched on a whole lot there, extending your brand, Animal Therapy Farm, building the largest Special Olympics team, healthcare practice. Then you just touched on something else, this private high school that's coming real soon. Let's dive into that a little more. Yeah. So, you know, we've always been known as like the special needs community, the sector. Everybody wanted to come to us for help in this field. And it's always been about giving back to the community. And the next step was, was how do we serve everybody? And so now we're serving individuals with disabilities and without disabilities with a focus, which has been our mission since day one, which is sports. So all of our students, it's a private school, grades 9 through 12. They'll play football with a huge emphasis on football. And so we have athletes coming literally from all over, Alaska, Canada, um, Vegas, Idaho, just coming to our program to play football, which we are in an independent division, so we can recruit, and we're a private school. And so it's something really exciting, almost similar to what people know as IMG Academy, just on a smaller scale with one focus, one sport focus. Well, I think soon enough, it will be just a household name like IMG is with your work ethic and your commitment. It's great to see how far this extension of becoming an entrepreneur is from, you said, that failed, quote unquote, failed CrossFit gym all the way till now with so much going on. But there are a lot of fun parts of entrepreneurship. There are a lot of hard parts of entrepreneurship. So after I share a quick message about our show partner, I want to hear your favorite parts of being an entrepreneur, Mark. This summer's episodes will be brought to you in part by speaker coach Cesar Cervantes, specializing in helping you get your transformative message to the TEDx stage. Guaranteed to schedule your free brainstorming session, visit the link in the show description or CesarCervantes.tv. So I've actually had one job in my life working for somebody and it was while I was in college and ever since then I've been on my own. Now, man, going on 10 years plus. And um, the favorite part is, you know, for me personally, it used to be about, you know, like I wanted to make money and obviously done really well doing that. And now it's at a point where I was, I hit a successful point and, you know, I was making well over six figures a couple of years ago. And then I started seeing growth and I wanted to see my team grow and make more money. Now I'm seeing responsibility. And, you know, it got to a point where the only way I can help make sure they take care of their families is by continuously expanding. And so that's what I did with the business was we kept growing because I wanted to see them, you know, have a better lifestyle for their kids. And now they're relying on me. And something we've done really well with the business model that I do, you know, is I always refer it back to like the oceans. There's a blue ocean and a red ocean. The red ocean is a business that everybody's doing, real estate, um, Airbnbs. It's just saturated, retail. And then you got the blue ocean, which is something that most people don't do, and it's wide open. And so that's kind of the field that I got into with the niche of group homes. And not only did I get to that side, you know, I also found out how to funnel everything that we do. And that's what I talk about a lot about business is you need one business to flow to the next. You know, for example, people think I'm will be all over the place because we have so many different businesses, but they don't realize every business enhances my other business. 
Um, for example, I will have a group home. And so obviously we get paid from the group home. You know, we get paid from the state. Then I have a school. So most of the people in my group home will go to my adult special needs school. Then we have transportation. Well, they're most likely going to use me for transportation. Then we have healthcare. Well, they're most likely going to like our healthcare company because they know us too. And then we also have the private school and the transition and the wedding venue. Well, now at the wedding venue, they have an opportunity to make money. It draws in more attention to our program. And I use my fitness classes that I do for free as a funneling process to get everybody to go through that process. And every one of those processes, you know, there's an income base. And people think that, hey, you shouldn't make money doing a nonprofit or any of that. You know, and I completely disagree that, you know, if you're doing a good cause, you know, there should be more coming in. And the more money we bring in to our foundation and our academy is the more lives that we help impact on a daily basis. You said that very well there with nonprofits. People are still working. You're still performing your job. You're still filling essential needs. And instead of the extra money going to other places, it's going to the SFA Academy, it's going into the healthcare. It's just continuing to grow your mission. And it's great. As we just have only recently met, I look forward to seeing what the next step in this brand umbrella brand for you is going to be. I mean, the school is a huge, huge accomplishment, but those are a lot of inspiring points you touched on. Favorite part of being an entrepreneur. What about some of the harder parts of entrepreneurship to help everybody out there facing that same adversity? Yeah, definitely. The harder part is you want... You got to plan ahead. So one of the, my mentors always told me is you want to become bulletproof. And if you really are looking to expand a business, and I mean really run a real deal business where you have employees mm -hmm. and you have a team that is relying on you, you have to make sure you're protected. And my, what I mean by that is I remember when I first got in, I'd be lackadaisical on like, you know, payroll or even making sure workers come, all those things. And People will come after you. And the more successful you get, the more haters you get, the more envy you get. And especially if you're not afraid to talk about it. You know, I'm not afraid to talk about money, um, which is like a taboo subject when it comes to nonprofits and right. doing community work. I talk about it. And so with that being said, people will always want to come after you. They'll want to take a shortcut. So making sure you have everything on the back end before you start pushing things on the front end. Um, depart, you know, make sure your payroll, payroll taxes, you have an attorney on standby, um, you're protected on workers comp insurance claims. And so then I always recommend getting that established first before you go ahead and jump into anything. I love that. I'm typing that up here in the show notes. Make sure you have the back end covered before you focus much on the front end. That's advice. And I think, you know, I'm sure you've heard the statistic too. It's you know, 90% of businesses don't go to the second year, 95%, you know, you name it. And I think a big part of that is the admin work, is the behind the scenes work, because it is a lot. There is a lot that goes in. And as you're starting to scale, you just touched on a lot of things, especially with the legal advice being handy. But I know you have to be a learner, a career learner like myself to keep hitting these pinnacles. What is one book, app, workshop, tool, anything you could recommend to our community of entrepreneurs to help them find some success? YouTube. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I uh, People ask me, like, how'd you learn all this? How'd you learn real estate? Because I went from one house um, three years ago to now owning four or five million in real estate. 
and a short span. And, you know, it was just fine watching YouTube videos. How are the people? Find somebody who you look up to. I think now we have such a great opportunity for mentors. Like some mentors you can just find on social media quickly. You know, somebody who's doing it right, YouTube them. They probably have a class you can buy for like 50 bucks online. And so that's one of the things that I would say, you know, is find somebody that you look up to, watch their videos, go to their page, continue to follow their page, buy their classes. And most people are willing to give you advice. Um, I know myself in general, I'm very busy, but if somebody asks me a good question, you know, I'm willing to tell them. And I'm not afraid that somebody can steal my idea because I put in the work. Um, it's not something that was done overnight. And so, you know, I feel like most people are afraid to just ask or ask for help when it's one of the best things you can do. That's something I've learned in my career, too, is that people may not be in the position to buy something, but they will most likely be in the position to offer help if you ask. If you have the courage to ask and you ask uh, a great question, giving back feels great, especially I know someone in the nonprofit, you know that feeling all too well. But before we hop into this week's spotlight story, where after that we learn which entrepreneur Mark would sit down throughout history. I'd love to learn what's one great piece of advice you were given on your journey. Oh, man. One great piece of advice was really, you know, enjoying the moments, um, the small things. And it's something, you know, I wish I would have done early on. And as you get in business and you get expanding, and if you're a real entrepreneur, there's always these pinnacles that you hit, there's levels, and you're never satisfied. You want more, you want more, you want more. And I mean a true entrepreneur, somebody who wants to build an empire. There's no satisfaction in it. Mm. But if you can take those little moments um, before you get to that level, you know, maybe I hired this employee or maybe I passed this test and celebrate it. That celebration can be go out on a trip, hang out with a loved one. You know, those little things pay off in the long run. Because if not, you just catch yourself running and burning out and really missing why you did this in the beginning. That's something I even do because well, the books that I put out, the most recent book, I finally took some time to enjoy it and that it came out and just celebrate it in a way because it was just next goal for me after a while. And I found myself this entrepreneurial mindset, just chasing what's the next goal. Okay, that's done next, 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 mm -hmm. just continue to chase. And I think that is great advice right there, everyone. It's easier said than done, but to sit back and enjoy the fruits of your labor a little bit because you are just going to go on to the next next check next check mm -hmm. mark on that exactly. bucket list mark but i'm excited for this week's spotlight story and everyone be sure to go to the episode description so you can follow along with us it is from forbes and it is on what entrepreneurs can learn from innovative nonprofits. he today's guest certainly has an innovative nonprofit because it's continuing to grow and I'm going to dive right into it. Much attention has been paid to the agility of private sector businesses as they pivoted their operations practically overnight through the pandemic. Businesses, especially small and medium-sized businesses, demonstrated tremendous tremendous resilience, excuse me, rethinking traditional ways of doing business and rapidly evolving to meet the changing needs of their customers. What's largely overlooked is the downturn that nonprofits of all sizes took during the pandemic, which required them to pivot in their own entrepreneurial ways. We had a bit of a preview of that today so far. Between 2015 and 2019, 58% of nonprofits experienced a growth in donations. But in 2020, 
That number took a drastic hit as 37% of nonprofits reported decreased donations. Like other businesses, nonprofits did have to find a way to reimagine how they can deliver their services to their target communities who needed them now more than ever. Nonprofits have always played an essential role in providing critical services such as advocacy, cultural, education, or health that contribute to social and economic stability. With so much of the social and economic disruption during the pandemic, communities, families, individuals, and businesses globally turn to these nonprofits for help. These organizations have strengthened communities in so many ways while providing a way for people to work together for the common good. As nonprofits pivoted operations to sustain themselves, the pandemic created entirely new needs uh, for these communities. Nonprofits that started during the pandemic had to get up and running instantly to achieve their goals of addressing such issues in real time. And I can't wait to bring on Mark in just a few seconds to hear his thoughts. While nonprofits have always been at the forefront of positive change, there's always much to be learned from their entrepreneurialism and resourcefulness during the pandemic. To explore this further, leaders of two nonprofits, one which started out out of needs stemming during the pandemic and one which operated for several years prior, shared their insights uh, right here. Diana Zhang, the CEO and co-founder of a company called Neighbor Share, which is a nonprofit with a mission to empower community frontline heroes to get their neighbors the help they need when they need it. Neighbor Share partners with the frontline staff, also heroes, at local nonprofits across the country, which are case managers, teachers, social workers, and anyone else with an intimate pulse on their communities to spotlight neighbors' pivotal needs of $400 less on this platform and get resources directly to these families when the other options run out. Mark, we touched on very powerful nonprofits. We shared some information on in the beginning. What are some things that stuck out to you? No, definitely. I know that during COVID, for sure, it was really hard for not just all businesses, but nonprofits especially. Um, because a lot of nonprofits rely on grants and donors. And when the economy gets hit, most people don't want to, you know, they don't want to give their money away to a nonprofit. Right. And so, you know, also that's why it's important. I talked about earlier about being bulletproof and having your a nonprofit's a business, having your business sustainable for anything that happens, which is why we have so many different layers of income and we don't rely on just grants. We don't rely on just donors. We have, we rely on state funding, which is something I really like because hurricane, tsunami, volcano, COVID, I, it doesn't matter what happens. We are going to get paid no matter what happens. And yes, we rely on our grants and our donors for certain things, but we also have our backbone. And I know no matter what crisis hits, you know, that with that state funding, I'm able to take care of my employees. I'm able to take care of my clients and I'm still able to scale my business. And so, you know, I think, too, you know, we have to be strategic. Um, you know, you can't have one source they rely on mm -hmm. and you can't, you know, personally, I'm one to say, don't make, you can't make an excuse. I don't care what, what happens. All right. You got to be able to get your business up so you can continue to succeed. And so that's what I would say to it. You know, people ask me, how'd you get through COVID? How'd you get through that? I don't know how you did it. Well, you find a way and you make it happen. 
I love the idea there of not putting all your eggs in one basket. And that's something I certainly relied on the meaning, but just in the beginning, excuse me, which just speaking now I'm involving the brand to the writing, coaching, the podcast, the books, trying to grow this umbrella. Nowhere near your level yet, but one day I will be there. But you mentioned something before state funding. If someone wants to get started with a nonprofit, how do they first go about receiving the state funding? Well, or, um, the state funding is separate from just starting a nonprofit. You know, I recommend, you know, like we talked about before, if you're going to do it, do it right the first time. I made mistakes so, of, you know, setting up and then having to redo it. So, you know, I recommend getting a firm, getting something that specializes in this field and make it cost you a couple of extra hundred bucks, but it'll set you up long term so you don't have to deal with any problems. And then, you know, talking about state funding, there's so many different things you can do out there to do it. Um, I do group homes. I work with special needs individuals. I also do assistant living facilities. And so setting those up, that's a long process. It's not overnight. Um, but once you do it, you kind of really learn the system. And that's something I work with a lot of people on is consulting. How do you start this group home? How do you start this ALF? And we help get you going. And then you're off on the races. I appreciate the insight, Mark. And it's been a great episode so far. But before I let you go, Throughout history, which entrepreneur would you choose to sit down with and pick their brain? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, oof. You know, I really would love to sit down with um, Elon Musk. Uh, he's somebody who I think is beyond innovative, super creative. I also love Tesla. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's somebody that I think I would love to see what he would do to expand my business and just learn more. Um, so he's somebody in the modern day that I would like to sit down with. Let's take it a step further. Where would this meeting go down if you could pick the location to? Oh, I'd bring him out to see what we do in real person. So I'd bring him to one of my uh, Special Olympic workouts. And um, just so you know, it's not just talking about it. People can talk about a business, but when you actually see, and I know the love that we have in our room and our clients love what we do, you know, I would like them to see it in actual person. Hey, I think you're well on your way. We might have to tag him in this episode to get that conversation <laughs> off the ground. But Mark, I want to thank you so much for taking your time as we record this to start your day with me. I learned a lot. I know our listeners are certainly going to learn a lot too. Can you please share your uh, best contact, social media, website, any ways for our audience to get involved in what you do? Yeah, for sure. Definitely follow me on Instagram, Mark Oliver Show, pretty easy. And uh, my website is speciallyfitacademy.com and over Facebook as well and pretty accessible. So just send me a message and I would love to connect. All right, everyone, you heard that. Mark Oliver's show on Instagram. The website is speciallyfitacademy.com and the show is at That Entrepreneur Show on Facebook and LinkedIn on Instagram and YouTube. It is at Vincent A. Lancey. And be sure to head to YouTube to catch a video preview of this show when it goes live. And be sure again to check out all the great work he's doing with the Specially Fit Academy, especially if you are here in Florida. There are a lot of ways to volunteer and get out there with his company. But until we chat again, Mark, we will talk soon. And thanks again for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.